Section 6 of Beacon Lights of History, Volume 10, European Leaders, by John Lord. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by K. Hand. Cavour, Part 2. Now, D'Azeglio was a high-born gentleman, aristocratic in all his ideas, and, what was unusual with Italian nobles, a man of enlarged and liberal views, who favored reforms if they could be carried out in a constitutional way like lord john russell and the great english whig nobleman who passed the reform bill or like the french statesmen of the type of thiers and guizot in the general outbreak of revolutionary ideas which convulsed all europe in eighteen forty eight even when metternich was driven from power charles albert was forced to promise a constitution to his north italian subjects and kept his word which other italian potentates did not when they were restored by Austrian bayonets. He had always been vacillating, but at last he saw the necessities of Italy and recognized the spirit of the times. He was thus naturally drawn into a war with Austria, whose army in Italy was commanded by the celebrated Marshal Radetzky. Though an old man of eighty, the Austrian general defeated the King of Piedmont in several engagements. At Novara, on the 23rd of March, 1849, he gained a decisive victory, which led to the abdication of the king, and amidst gloom, disaster, and difficulty, the deposed monarch was succeeded by his son, the Duke of Savoy, under the name of Victor Emmanuel II. The young king rallied around him the ablest and most patriotic men he could find, including Diazeglio, who soon became his prime minister and it was from this nobleman's high character, varied abilities, unshaken loyalty to his sovereign, and ardent devotion to the Italian cause, that Victor Emmanuel was enabled to preserve order and law on the one hand, and Italian liberties on the other. All Italy, as well as Piedmont, had confidence in the integrity and patriotism of the king, and in the wisdom of his prime minister, who upheld the liberties they had sworn to defend. Diazeglio succeeded in making peace with Austria, while at the same time he clung to constitutional liberty. Under his administration the finances were improved and national resources were developed. Sardinia became the most flourishing of all the states of Italy, in which both freedom and religious toleration were enjoyed, for Naples and Rome had relapsed into despotisms, and the iron hand of Austria was still felt throughout the peninsula. Among other reforms, ecclesiastics were placed on the same footing with other citizens in respect to the laws a great movement in a catholic state this measure was of course bitterly opposed by the clerical and conservative party but was ably supported in the legislature by the member from turin count camillo cavour and this great man now became one of the most prominent figures in the drama played by italian patriots since it was to his sagacious statesmanship and devoted labors that their efforts were crowned with final success cavour was a man of business of practical intellect and of inexhaustible energies his labors when he had once entered upon public life were prodigious his wisdom and tact were equal to his industry and administrative abilities above all his patriotism blazed with a steady light like a beacon in a storm as intense as that of mazzini but more wisely directed Cavour was a younger son of a noble Piedmontese family, and entered the army in 1826, serving in the engineers. His liberal sentiments made him distrusted by the government of Charles Felix as a dangerous man, and he was doomed to an inactive life in an unimportant post. 
he soon quitted the army and embarked in business operations as manager of one of the estates of his family for twelve years he confined himself to agricultural labors making himself acquainted with all the details of business and with the science of agriculture introducing such improvements as the use of guano and promoting agricultural associations but he was not indifferent at the same time to public affairs being one of the most zealous advocates of constitutional liberty a residence in england gave him much valuable knowledge as to the working of representative institutions he established in eighteen forty seven a political newspaper and went into parliament as a member of the chamber of deputies in eighteen forty eight he used all his influence to induce the government to make war with austria and when charles albert abdicated and victor emmanuel became king cavour's great talents were rewarded in eighteen fifty he became minister of commerce in eighteen fifty two prime minister after that his history is the history of italy itself the sardinian government took the lead of all the states of italy for its vigor and its wisdom to drive the austrians out of the country now became the first principle of cavour's administration for this end he raised the military and naval forces of sardinia to the utmost practicable point of efficiency and the people from patriotic enthusiasm cheerfully submitted to the increase of taxation he built railways made commercial treaties with foreign nations suppressed monasteries protected fugitives from austrian and papal tyranny gave liberty to the press and even meditated the construction of a tunnel under mont Sinus. his most difficult task was the reform of ecclesiastical abuses since this was bitterly opposed by the clergy and the conservatives but he succeeded in establishing civil marriages in suppressing the mendicant order of friars and in making priests amenable to the civil courts he also repressed all premature and unwise movements on the part of patriotic leaders to secure national deliverance and hence incurred the hostility of mazzini the master stroke in the policy of cavour as a statesman was to make a firm alliance with france and england to be used as a lever against austria he saw the improbability of securing liberty to italy unless the austrians were expelled by force of arms the sardinian kingdom with only five millions of people was inadequate to cope singly with one of the most powerful military monarchies of europe cavour looked for deliverance only by the aid of friendly powers and he secured the friendship of both france and england by offering five thousand troops for the crimean war on the tenth of january eighteen fifty five a treaty was signed which admitted sardinia on equal terms as the ally of the western powers and the sardinian army under the command of general la marmora rendered very substantial aid and fought with great gallantry in the crimea when in eighteen fifty six an armistice took place between the contending powers followed by the congress of paris cavour took his place with the envoys of the great powers furthermore he availed himself of his opportunities to have private conferences with the emperor napoleon the third in reference to italian matters and his influence with the foreign statesmen he met in paris was equally beneficial to the great end to which his life was devoted his diplomacy was unrivalled for tact and the ministers of france and england saw and acknowledged it by his diplomatic abilities he enlisted the emperor of the french in behalf of italian independence and perhaps more than any other man induced him to make war on austria Cavour's lucid exposition of the internal affairs of Italy brought out the condemnation of the Russian and Prussian envoys as well as that of the English ministry, and led to their expostulation with the Austrian government. But all in vain. Austria would listen to no advice, and blindly pursued her oppressive policy to the exasperation of the different leaders whatever may have been their peculiar views of government. 
all this prepared the way for the acknowledgment of sardinia as the leader in the matter of italian emancipation whom the other italian states were willing to follow the hopes of the italians were now turned to the house of savoy to its patriotic chief and to its able minister whose counsels victor emmanuel in most cases followed from this time the republican societies which mazzini had established lost ground before the ascendancy which cavour had acquired in italian politics of the western powers he would have preferred an alliance with great britain but when he found he could expect from the english government no assistance by arms against austria he drew closer to the french emperor as the one power alone from whom efficient aid was to be obtained and set his sharp wits at work to make such a course both easy and profitable to france there is reason to believe that louis napoleon was sincere in his desire to assist the italians in shaking off the yoke of austria to the extent that circumstances should warrant whatever were his political crimes his personal sympathies were with italy his youthful alliance with the carbonari his early political theories the antecedents of his family and his natural wish for the close union of the latin races seemed to confirm this view moreover he was now tempted by cavour with the cession of savoy and nice to france to strengthen his southern boundaries and for the possession of these provinces he was willing to put victor emmanuel in the way to obtain as a compensation venetia and lombardy then held by the iron hand of austria this would double the number of victor emmanuel's subjects and give him the supremacy over the north of italy cavour easily convinced his master that the sacrifice of savoy the home of his ancestors though hard to accept would make him more powerful than all the other sovereigns of italy combined and would pave the way for the sovereignty of italy itself the one object which cavour had most at heart and to which all his diplomatic talents were directed in the summer of eighteen fifty eight napoleon the third invited cavour to a conference at plombieres and thither the italian statesmen repaired but the results of this conference were not revealed to the public or even to the ministers of louis napoleon although there were no written engagements it was arranged that sardinia should make war on austria and that france should come to her assistance as the only practicable way for italy to shake off the austrian domination and secure her independence ultimately not only independence but unity was the supreme aim of cavour for this great end the italian statesmen labored night and day under great difficulties and constant apprehension that something might happen which would compel the french emperor to break his promises for his situation was also critical but in reality louis napoleon desired war with austria as much as cavour in order to find employment for his armies to gain the coveted increase of territory and to increase his military prestige cavour having completed arrangements with napoleon the third at once sought the aid of all the italian patriots he secretly sent for garibaldi and unfolded to him his designs on austria and also he privately encouraged those societies which had for their end the deliverance of italy all this he did without the knowledge of the french emperor who equally disliked garibaldi and mazzini at this time garibaldi was one of the foremost figures in the field of italian politics and to introduce him we must go back to an earlier day giuseppe garibaldi was born in eighteen o seven at nice of humble parents who were seafaring people although he was a wild youth full of deeds of adventure and daring he was destined by his priest-ridden father for the church but the boy's desire for a sailor's life could not be resisted at the age of twenty-one he was second in command of a brig bound for the black sea which was plundered three times during the voyage by greek pirates 
this misfortune left the young garibaldi utterly destitute but his wants being relieved by a generous englishman he was enabled to continue his voyage to constantinople where he was taken sick in eighteen thirty four he was induced to take part in the revolutionary movement which was going on under mazzini who had instituted his society of young italy on the failure of mazzini in the rash affair of st julian an ill-timed insurrection in which garibaldi took part the young sailor fled in disguise to nice and thence to marseilles charles albert was then on the throne of sardinia and though the most liberal sovereign in italy was tyrannical in his measures ferdinand the second ruled at naples with a rod of iron the pontifical states and the duchies of modena and parma were equally under despotic governments while venice and lombardy were ground down by austria in those days of discouragement when all italy was enslaved garibaldi left his country with a heavy heart and sailing for south america entered the service of the republic of rio grande which had set itself up against the authority of the emperor of brazil in this struggle of a little state against a larger one garibaldi distinguished himself not only for his bravery but for his military talent of leadership he took several prizes as a privateer but was wounded in some engagement and fled to galagüe where he was thrown into prison from which he made his escape and soon after renewed his seafaring adventures some of which were marvellous after six years of faithful service to the republic of rio grande he bought a drove of nine hundred cattle and set out for montevideo with his brazilian wife and child to try a mercantile career this was unsuccessful he then became a schoolmaster at montevideo but soon tired of so monotonous a calling craving war and adventure he buckled on his sword once more in the struggle between montevideo and buenos aires and for his gallantry and successes he was made a general but refused all compensation for his services and remained in poverty which he seemed to love as much as some love riches the reputation which he gained drew a number of italians to his standard resolved to follow his fortunes in the meantime great things were doing in piedmont towards reform by the marquis de azeglio prime minister of charles albert who was then irretrievably devoted to the liberal cause every mail brought to montevideo news which made garibaldi's blood boil and he resolved to return to italy and take part in the movements of the patriots this was in eighteen forty eight when not only italy but all europe was shaken by revolutionary ideas he landed in nice on the twenty fourth of june and at once went to the camp of charles albert sought an interview and offered his services which however were not accepted the king having not forgotten that garibaldi was once a rebel against him and was still an outlaw nothing remained for the adventurous patriot but to continue an inactive spectator or throw in his lot with the republican party he did not wait long to settle that question but flew to milan and organized a force of thirty thousand volunteers for the defense of that city from the austrians on the conclusion of an armistice which filled him with detestation of charles albert he and mazzini who had joined the corps undertook to harass the austrians among the mountains above lake maggiore finding it impossible to make head against the austrians in the midst of their successes garibaldi retired to switzerland where he lay ill for some time with a dangerous fever on his recovery he started for venice with two hundred and fifty volunteers to join daniel manin in his memorable resistance to the austrians but hearing at ravenna that a rebellion had broken out in rome he bent his course to the eternal city to swell with fifteen hundred men the ranks of the rebellious subjects of the pope for pius the ninth had repudiated the liberal principles which he had professed at the beginning of his reign 
when the rebellion broke out in rome the pope fled to gaeta and put himself under the protection of the king of naples a constituent assembly was called in which both mazzini and garibaldi sat as members garibaldi was entrusted with the defense of the city a triumvirate was formed of which mazzini was the inspiring leader to administer affairs and the temporal government of the pope was decreed by the assembly to be at an end meanwhile louis napoleon then president of the french republic against all his antecedents sided against the liberals and sent general Odinot with a large army to restore the papal power at rome this general was at first defeated but on the arrival of reinforcements he gradually gained possession of the city the resistance was valiant but useless in vain mazzini promised assistance in vain garibaldi in his red shirt and cap defended the ramparts on the twenty first of june the french effected a breach in the city wall and planted their batteries and on the thirtieth of june they made their final assault further resistance became hopeless and garibaldi at the head of four thousand fugitives leaving the city as the french entered it again became a wanderer he first made his way to tuscany but at arezzo found the gates closed against him hotly pursued by austrian troops he crossed the apennines and sought shelter in the little republic of san marino the authorities of which in fear of the austrians refused him the refuge he sought but in full sympathy with his cause connived at his escape as venice still held out under manin garibaldi made his way to the adriatic accompanied by his wife the faithful anita about to become a mother where he and some of his followers embarked in some fishing boats and reached the mouth of the po still hounded by the austrians he and his sick wife and a few followers were obliged to hide in cornfields among rocks and in caverns on the shores of the adriatic anita expired in the arms of her husband who still hunted contrived to reach ravenna where for a while he was hidden by friends it was now useless to proceed to venice at this time in the last gasp of her struggle so garibaldi made his way to spezia on the gulf of genoa with a single companion in arms but learned that florence was not prepared for rebellion the government of turin fearing to allow so troublesome a guest to remain at genoa held him for a while in honorable captivity but permitted him to visit his aged mother and his three children at nice on his return to genoa the government politely requested him to leave italy he passed over to the island of sardinia still hunted and half a bandit wandering over the mountains and when hard pressed retiring to the small island rock of caprera eventually finding no hopes of further rising in italy garibaldi found his way to liverpool and embarked for new york arriving in that city he refused to be lionized and also declined all contributions of money from admirers but supported himself for eighteen months by making tallow candles on staten island at the same time french exiles were seeking to gain a living in new york ledru royin as a store porter louis blanc as a dancing master and felix piat as a scene shifter not succeeding very well in making candles garibaldi went again to south america and became captain of a trading vessel plying between china and peru and then again of a vessel between new york and england in eighteen fifty four he was once more in genoa and after cruising about the mediterranean he had amassed money enough to buy a portion of the island of capera where he found a resting place sardinia was then under the guidance of cavour who was meditating the gaining of friendship from france by furnishing troops for the crimean war the moderate liberal party had the ascendancy in italy convinced that all hopes for the regeneration of their country rested on constitutional measures 
venice and lombardy had settled down once more in subjection to austria the pope reigned as a temporal prince with the assistance of french troops and at naples a bourbon despot had re-established his tyrannical rule for ten years garibaldi led a quiet life at capera the whole island fifteen miles in circumference near the coast of sardinia having fallen into his possession here he cultivated a small garden redeemed from the rocks and milked a few cows he had also some fine horses given to him by friends and his house was furnished in the most simple manner on this island monarch of all he surveyed he diffused an unostentatious but generous hospitality for many distinguished persons came to visit him and he amused himself by writing letters and attempting some literary work in eighteen fifty nine under the manipulation of cavour french and italian politics became more and more intertwined the war with austria the formation of an italian kingdom from the alps to the adriatic the cession of nice and savoy and the marriage of princess clotilda to prince napoleon being the main objects which occupied the mind of cavour early in the year victor emmanuel made public his intention of aiding venice and lombardy to throw off the austrian yoke it was then that the all-powerful italian statesman sent for garibaldi who at once obeyed the summons appearing in his red blouse and with his big stick and was commissioned to fight against the austrians volunteers from all parts of italy flocked to his standard some four thousand disorderly troops but devoted to him and to the cause of italian independence he held a regular commission in the allied armies of france and sardinia but was so hampered by jealous generals that victor emmanuel dictator as well as king gave him permission to quit the regular army go where he liked and fight as he pleased with his volunteers garibaldi performed many acts of bravery which won for him great eclat but he made many military mistakes once he came near being captured with all his men but fortune favored and he almost miraculously escaped from the hands of the austrians the scene of his exploits was in the mountainous country around lake como End of section six.